Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! Yeah, It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading up until 6 o'clock as... The morning roast will take you until 10. Man, we had a wild day in baseball yesterday. I will get to the Giants' win over the Reds as they won uh, the first game of their series, 6-3. to three, And I'll get to just what's impressed me the most so far um, about the Giants. And it's not exactly their defense, even though their defense was the headliner yesterday, and that's ultimately what uh, what decided the game. Uh, but there's something else that's just truly impressing me with this team, and so I do want to talk about that. Uh, I mean, look, we got this playing game with the Lakers, and as time goes on, we're going to be hearing more and more hot takes. Well, Nick Wright was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky and gave the hottest of hot takes. But I also think there's some reasonability in what he was trying to say. So I do want to get to that uh, as well. Bill Barnwell of ESPN, he made his predictions for when every rookie quarterback, or at least the first five rookie quarterbacks that were drafted, he made their predictions as to when they would get their start this season. And he had a specific one for Trey Lance. And I think this is one uh, that it interests 49er fans. So... We got a lot to talk about in this jam-packed hour today. Hope you're having a great morning. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But I do want to get to this game yesterday as the Giants won 6-3 over the Reds. That is hit well. Deep right. Still going. Adios! Pelota! Three-run opposite field home run for Wilmer Flores here at the very cozy Great American Ballpark. Two-run homer for Wilmer, 3-0 lead Giants. So it was a 3-0 lead in the top of the fifth. And uh, Logan Webb, 
had a good start. He had to leave the game due to uh, shoulder soreness, but uh, he was six innings strong. only gave up six hits, uh, struck out four, only uh, walked one, and didn't give up any home runs, which is the most uh, important thing. All of the earned runs were given up from their bullpen, and we'll get to we'll get to Matt Whistler in a second because baseball is strange. But the reason that they went up three nothing in the first place. Well, it was a two-run homer by Wilmer Flores, and the reason that Wilmer Flores was able to get that two-run home run was because the runner on base, Brandon Crawford, ended up reaching on an error, and that's when uh, Flores was able to give them the lead, and those are the little things that teams were taking advantage of when they played the Giants last season, when the Giants would make these little errors that would somehow cost them. It felt like last year there were so many scenarios where there would be, and it actually happened earlier this year too, it just uh, no one took advantage of it and the other team didn't execute, but there there could be an error with two outs and somehow that would turn into like a two or three run inning. We haven't really seen that too much against the Giants this year. But the Giants have been able to take advantage of those sort of plays. They get up to a, a, a three-run lead early, and then you get Yaz and you get Dubon following up with a solo home run of their own. Got the overshift on for Yaz in the infield. There's a drive. Deep right center field. Way back there. Long gone. Yastrzemski for the second day in a row. That's about the same part of this ballpark to where he hit it yesterday in Pittsburgh. And the Giants have a 4-0 lead. And maybe Yaz is about to take off. Look, the Giants have a 25-16 record, and they have been a good home run hitting team. But just look at the averages. Now, we don't live in an era in baseball where average matters to a lot of players, right? that's just that's something that is a a tired topic at this point whenever we're talking about baseball we know that the three true outcomes are all that matters it's the home runs it's the strikeout it's 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 the walks uh guys aren't going for line drives they're not doing sacrifice bunts all these kind of things so they're not going for average but even so Let's just go down the list of the starting lineup yesterday, uh, which did not include uh, Evan Longoria nor Brandon Belt. But let's look at the starting lineup and just look at the averages for these players. Talkman, Mike Talkman, batting 211. Buster Posey's hitting 362. Buster Posey is kind of the outlier right now, and not just with the Giants. He's the outlier just in, in all of baseball. He's seeing the ball uh, at a different place right now. Now, of course, he was 0 for 5 yesterday with a strikeout, but uh, he was able to score a run still in that game because of an error. Um, so Posey was able to get on base, but still, he's batting 362. Mike Yastrzemski, he was 2 for 4, but he's batting 225. Darren Ruff is batting 228. Brandon Crawford's batting 239. Flores is batting 219. Alex Dickerson is batting uh, 205, even though he's uh, been out for a little bit, but he just came back. Mauricio Dubon is batting 241. My point is that this team has managed to manufacture runs uh, a lot on solo home runs, but they've been executing in times when it matters, and that's why their record's at 25 and 16. But also, it's because of the pitching and what the starting pitching has brought. They have been fantastic so far this season. And really, it hasn't been until recently uh, that we've seen some drop-off from the bullpen. 
you know, Jake McGee and Camillo Doval, uh, they haven't looked great. They've been off and on. Tyler Rogers has been an absolute stud, and he just had to come into the game yesterday and picked up uh, his fifth save of the year. But the reason that he was in a safe situation in the first place is because Harlan Garcia, he gave up an earned run. But then Matt Whistler came into the next inning and gave up a couple of earned runs of his own. And this is where baseball is weird. This is where baseball is strange. We praise Farhan so much for all the moves that he makes when it comes to starting pitching, right? We praise him for finding these diamonds in the rough, finding guys like Kevin Gosman, and finding, uh, you know, Anthony DiSclefani is a good example for this year. DiSclefani uh, did a whole segment on him last week about how his numbers looked last year compared to this year in that new segment we called This Year. That was a new segment. It was just called This Year? We're not going to do that with Matt Whistler. However, baseball's strange because... With those guys, you look in their past, they had a high ERA, they were kind of on the downturn, you didn't really know what to expect from them, you could get them for cheap, they were low-risk types of moves. But this is one, Matt Whistler, where he got into free agency from the Minnesota Twins last year, and the, uh, the Giants ended up signing him. It's not like they were signing a pitcher who had the stats like these other guys did previously. Now, sure, he did not look great in Atlanta when he first started out. And then when he went to Minnesota, though, he ended up having a 1.07 ERA in the 18 games that he played last year. And, you know, it was a shortened season and whatnot. But look, a 1.07 ERA is a 1.07 ERA. That's pretty damn good. But right now, through 17 games with the Giants, he's got a 7.20 ERA. And yesterday, he didn't look good. He hasn't looked comfortable up there. Uh, guys are seeing the ball well. And, and and it just, it doesn't, he's not locating his pitches. He's not fooling anybody. I mean, yesterday, that home run that he gave up was just an absolute monster. But um, it's just weird. Baseball's weird. You know, you think you're going after a guy who turned his season around with Minnesota, turned his career around. And then you think, all right, we can actually make something of this. But instead, uh, you're getting what you're getting with Matt Whistler right now, which is not a very good year. And he hasn't been a reliable bullpen arm. That's something that the Giants are actually in need of. Um, look, they've. I don't know what's going to happen with Jake McGee. But Tyler Rogers is certainly up to the task this year and has been incredibly good. He has been their most reliable guy in the bullpen. But when we got Gabe Kapler, who is making these moves um, late in games, making bullpen switches late in games, as opposed to last year when he would just take dudes out after the fifth inning, this year it's a little different. You know, he's letting guys like Gosman go longer. Once Johnny Cueto uh, comes back for his third start ever since coming back from the IL, I'm sure when Cueto's going, uh, going good, he's going to pitch even longer. You know, Di Sclafani, he's going to continue to get innings. But when those guys don't have a great outing, when those guys don't have a great outing, and you need to rely on your bullpen to keep the Giants in the game, who is that guy that's going to be coming in in the fifth, sixth, hell, maybe even the seventh inning, just to give you some innings, some good, clean innings? I don't think the Giants have that guy right now. 
And Dave Fleming spoke yesterday on the morning roast about the woes of the bullpen so far. And I know we're talking about a 6-3 win and we're, we, we should be celebrating that because it was a good win over the Reds and they took advantage of all their, uh, of all their errors. But look, if the offense didn't do their job, I wouldn't have trusted the bullpen yesterday. And Dave Fleming was on the morning roast and he explained uh, the realities of why Possibly making a change just isn't really in the cards right now. The reality is their 40-man roster is pretty darn full. Any of the candidates that they have in-house that aren't yet on the 40-man roster, Dominic Leone, Scott Casimir, there are others, you would have to lose a player to get one of those to the big leagues. Now, we may get to that where the Giants are going to be willing to do that if they really feel like they need an upgrade and they have one that's worth giving a chance to. And I think they do have some of those guys who will earn a chance. But before you get there, you kind of exhaust all your other options before you lose a player off your team to somebody else. And I think that's kind of the, you know, that's where they are right now. So are they looking? They will definitely be looking to upgrade. How will they do that internally, externally? Uh, probably a combination of both. But for now, you know, I think they want to just try every possible option of the current roster and the current 40-man roster before they start losing talent out of the organization just to try to fix the bullpen. So you wonder who is going to be that one guy who could be just taken off of this 40-man roster, and Matt Whistler is one of those dudes in the bullpen who's just not giving you much right now, and even though um, in the past he hasn't been great, uh, he had that one year in 2020, Maybe we thought just give him a one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar deal. Uh, let's see if he turns things around. And if he becomes a good bullpen arm, then maybe we could sign him to a multi-year deal on the cheap. But right now it just doesn't look like it's working out with Whistler. So um, the future for him continues to be more and more uncertain as he uh, continues to enter into games. I mean, it's just it just hasn't looked good. A 7.2 ERA so far in the 17 games that he's played. And he's got a 1-2 in, uh, in record right now. And that's just in 15 innings pitched. Um, 12 earned runs along with 4 home runs given up. So uh, not missing many bats right now. Not looking too great. However, the Giants managed to keep it alive, and they managed to get the win yesterday. If you can somehow keep the bullpen out of the game, that's going to be the keys to getting these wins, along with good defense. Coming up next, I'll get to the defensive numbers for the Giants and where they rank among the major leagues. Plus, there was just some crazy stuff that happened in baseball yesterday uh, outside of the Bay Area. And I want to get to those next because the unwritten rules. You remember last year when uh, the Padres were up big? I believe it was on the, I want to say it was on the Rangers. Uh, yeah, it was on the Rangers. And uh, Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam even though the Padres had already more than won the game. They were up 8 nothing or something, and he hits a grand slam, and everyone gets all mad about it. He has to apologize later on. Well, your mean Mercedes of the White Sox did something yesterday uh, that made a lot of traditionalists pissed off. We'll get to all of that coming up next. Steve Lakeford did all the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. 
morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you on the pregame show, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast takes you until 10. Uh, in about 15 minutes, I want to get to Bill Barnwell of ESPN, NFL writer, very reputable, has sources, knows his stuff, knows his bleep. And he wrote an article predicting when the first five rookie quarterbacks that were drafted, he predicted when they would start this season. And he had a prediction for Trey Lance that I found to be very, very interesting. So we'll get to that uh, in about 15 minutes, plus what Nick Wright had to say on David Ratto and Kolsky. That would make Warrior fans just pissed. But also... I think if you're on one side of the coin, I think you can get where Nick Wright is coming from, even though he might be trying to cause a stir. So we'll get to all of that uh, coming up. But I do just want to get to uh, these errors here. Errors are what uh, plagued the Giants last season, right? It, it, It was terrible. And this year, this is how many total they have. They have 13 on the year. And they had two yesterday. By the way... Those two didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. In the end, it wasn't like the errors are what put the Reds over the top in that game. It's not like they gave up an error and then all of a sudden Wilmer Flores goes out and hits a two-run home run and puts them up 3 nothing. It wasn't like that for the Reds yesterday. So two errors given up by the Giants. The first from Brandon Crawford this season. But overall on the year, they have given up 13 Before that, it was 11. That's the least in Major League Baseball. How crazy is that? It took them barely, it took them less than 10 games last year to get 13 errors. I mean, they already had five after the first three games. You remember that? The second game against the Dodgers last year, I think they had four errors in that first, in that second game. And you're just thinking, oh, no. You remember that when they, when they got just absolutely blown out in those first two games and you're thinking, oh, there's no point even watching Giants baseball this year. But an underrated aspect of how these uh, Giants have been winning their games, it's not because a lot of them are getting on base. I just strolled through the records and no one besides Buster Posey in that starting lineup yesterday was hitting over 240. Uh, so it's not exactly like they're getting on base all the time. You know, they're getting those solo home runs when they matter, but the extra runs, you know, went with runners on, the two-run, three-run home runs, you don't really see those too much from this Giants lineup. So you can look at the lineup and think, well, that's not the entire in, entire reason as to why they're 25-16 and 16 on the year. You, look, you can look at the starting pitching and the fact that starters, the starters just don't give up home runs. They give up the least amount in the league. And they managed to get uh, they to man they managed to stay in ball games longer. And Gabe Kapler's going with his gut a little more and keeping these guys in the ball games longer. So starters are getting their run, and they're a big reason as to why they're getting wins. Sure, there have been some good bullpen moments recently. They've struggled, but it's also been on the backs of good defense, and it's just plays you don't even notice. You know, ones where you think. Man, it's ones where you think, I mean, they made it look easy, so it must be an easy play. When in reality, it's not. 
and Brandon Crawford has just been fantastic up the middle this year. But another guy who shouldn't go unnoticed, and he was using uh, he was using Brandon Crawford's glove yesterday again. But it was uh, Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon has looked great defensively. And then you got Austin Slater in the outfield who has helped whenever he gets into the ball game. Because when you got Alex Dickerson and Darren Ruff out there, it's not always the greatest. Uh, whenever they do make diving catches and, uh, you know, it, Ruff does have an arm, but whenever they do, uh, make diving catches, it's a, it's not the, it's not the most graceful. <laughs> so to speak. It's not the most graceful slides or the most graceful dives, but they have made plays. And the fact that the Giants have 13 overall, the least in the league, and they added two on to that yesterday, whew, I mean, that's got to be the most shocking stat out of all of this. But then you go down the list, and the team that's given up the most errors, and you can go to Fernando Tatis Jr., who I believe still has the most errors for a shortstop, but uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and the San Diego Padres overall have 32 on the season, and they are a half game back of the Giants right now. So you can make an assumption that without any of this just good, clean defense that the Giants have played, even though they had two errors on the game yesterday— That's a big reason as to why they have the record that they have right now. Just a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. Just wish the players would show a little more emotion, though. People weren't happy with me on that, uh, with that take that I had. I just wish, you know, I just wish they'd have a little more fun uh, out there when they're playing ball. But hey, they're winning ball games. Who am I to complain? Uh, A couple of other things that happened in the world of baseball yesterday I want to get to. First off, I'm not going to play the highlight of it, but Kevin Pillar, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, uh, but Kevin Pillar, former Giant, of course, took a fastball straight to the face. Terrifying, right? It it was was a 94-mile-an-hour pitch, and it it didn't look like it got the helmet at all. I personally couldn't look at the slow-mo replay, but all I saw was Kevin Pillar immediately get to his knees, and you see uh, the blood dripping from his nose, and then he immediately walks off the field. I've seen it earlier this year with Bryce Harper, where it looked like the dude just straight up got clocked. I don't know how that happened, but he managed to walk off too. And so I think that, you know, when I'm, when I'm one of those guys who's a soccer fan, and I'm watching the NBA and some of these plays where... Guys just, you know, barely even get, you know, graced with an elbow and they go down like they've just been knocked out cold, Um, even though they haven't really. They're just playing it off for the refs. Sometimes I think baseball doesn't get enough uh, baseball players don't get enough credit for how tough they are. And Kevin Pillar taking a fastball off of the dome and then somehow managing to walk it off and get into the dugout. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I really couldn't. I did something back when I was playing baseball in Little League. I don't know how this is scientifically possible, but I managed to foul a ball into my own face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're thinking. How's that happen? It was an inside fastball. Somehow the ball tipped off the top of the bat and skimmed it and then went right up into my, in, into my eye. And that was painful. That was incredibly painful. And, you know, it took a little bit, 
But eventually I just walked off, went to the dugout, whatever, sat down and eventually had a bruised eye. But I just don't know how some of these players handle that. When I saw that from Kevin Pillar, I was just in shock. So uh, hopefully he, he he's okay and can return um, for the season. But a couple of other things that happen. You also had this home run from Shohei Otani, and I just don't know how he does it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Shohei Otani. What can't he do? Shohei. Showtime all the time. That's a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Try to sneak it inside. Don't try to sneak a fastball in against Shohei Otani. Sixth career home run against Cleveland. 13 on the year. That leads the league, and he has a just over a 2 ERA as a starting pitcher. You know, I try and market the players on Langford's long balls as best as I can, 545 every Friday uh, with baseball, but I don't know what they're doing with Otani. I don't know how they're not making him the most popular player in baseball and trying to get him out to the public because this dude can be an international star with what he is doing. It, what he's doing is, it, it, it's, it's for lack of a better term, it's unbelievable. We've seen it before, but that was with Babe Ruth. All right. This is unprecedented in the new generation of baseball and what Otani is doing with the bat. And that was a high fastball. I don't even know how he caught up to it. And he managed to crack a home run for his 13th of the season. And he's also throwing 101 miles an hour, going seven innings into games, striking out 10 plus guys. I don't know how he does it. And I don't know how baseball doesn't try to mark this, market this guy as best as they possibly can. Well, it is baseball. But one more thing from last night, and this just cracked me up. Listen to this call. You may not think about it much. It may sound like just a regular uh, home run call, but I'll explain the details after. Oh, he loaded up. Mercedes tattoos it to center. It is gone. There you go. A 3-0 swing! Shout out to NBC Sports Chicago for the audio. Now that may have just sounded like a regular home run call. Your mean Mercedes from the White Sox. 3-0 count. Gets the green light. Hits it out of the ballpark. Well, not necessarily just that, though. Because you had William Astudio who is a Twins position player, he came in because the White Sox were already winning this game by over 10 runs. This is in the eighth inning. A position player is on the mound, and on a 3-0 count, Mercedes gets a meatball, and he crushes it to left center, and it counts as a home run. And these, this whole situation got the old heads mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the reaction from Twitter, and it just turned into, why is this guy not taking the pitch? Why is he hit? And it's like, dude, who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's baseball. Honestly, I'm at that point now, and you know we've seen it with the Giants before, with Darren Ruff coming into the game. I'm at that point where, genuinely, and and you may not you you may not like this opinion, but if you're gonna bring in a position player to pitch. That has told me that you have just given up on the game and that there's absolutely no shot in in you thinking your team's going to come back. Just forfeit at that point. 
because then you run into things like this where Mercedes is clearly bored, 3-0 count, he's got like a 75-mile-an-hour 75, 75 fastball right down the middle, and he wants to crush it. And so, I, I don't know, I'm at that point where if you're bringing a position player to pitch just because you don't want to waste any of your bullpen arms on a game that's all but lost, you might as well just forfeit it, you know, at, at that point. Instead of running into issues like this. Although you do have some fun. You do have some fun moments where, you know, maybe Pablo Sandoval can get on the mound, throw a little pitch with movement, and strike a guy out. You know, that's actually first where I heard of Gabe Kapler. I first heard of Gabe Kapler not because, uh, not when he first started managing, but back when he was playing. I remember he struck out uh, when Nick Swisher was on the mound. And I remember that vividly. I don't know why, but I do. It was back when he was on the Rays. Uh, so, look. I saw that yesterday. I laughed. It's great. But if you're just going to bring in a position player at this point, just forfeit the game. Like <laughs> You clearly don't care anymore if you're bringing in one of your outfielders or one of your DHs, whoever it is, uh, to pitch in the game. All right. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. I'm just going to ask a simple question because you had the players show up to 49ers and they're starting to get ready for camp and everything. You saw Jimmy Garoppolo there. He's all smiles. But my question is, if you think Trey Lance will play in 2021, what week do you think that he would start? Because Bill Barnwell of ESPN gave his predictions for when the top five rookie quarterbacks drafted for when they would start this year. And he had an interesting one for Trey Lance. I'll give you a hint. It does happen during the 2021 season. We'll get to that next, plus what Nick Wright had to say regarding the Warriors and Lakers in the play-in game coming up. Can't wait for that. It's going to be a fun final half hour here on the pregame show. Stephen Lankford in with you, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. You know, I was going to use the sound of New York Mayor de Blasio and this public service announcement that he had trying to get people to take the vaccine, but he was using Shake Shack as the motivation to do it. Saying, if you get the vaccination as he's eating Shake Shack fries, then you'll be able to eat stuff like this again. (laughs) I was going to play that, but then I realized that's from five days ago. There's no point in playing that at all. I recommend, though, you check out the video because in these times when everything is so serious and, you know, we're, we're so... Uh, divided um, on certain topics. I mean, there's there's comedy that's involved in some of this stuff, and there is with that entire video, so I recommend you check that out. It is absolutely ridiculous. Before I get to Bill Barnwell here, senior NFL writer for ESPN, he made his predictions for uh, when each NFL rookie first-round quarterback uh, will start this season. So he made his predictions. He had an interesting one for Trey Lance. But is anyone seeing what's going on with Kwame Brown and Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and, and Gilbert Arenas? 
I guess on the All the Smoke podcast, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, they had on Jeannie Buss uh, a little while back to talk Lakers. And I guess when she brought up Kwame Brown, uh, you know, they, they talked about him a little bit and t- didn't talk about him in the greatest light. It's not like they were completely attacking him, but they did talk about him. And then Gilbert Arenas was on the podcast as well, and I didn't get any specifics from it. I haven't heard the podcast. But they also talked about Kwame Brown and didn't do it in the most malicious way possible, but I guess they did poke fun at him. And now Kwame Brown's on social media, and this is the first time anyone's ever seen him do these live streaming things. I don't know what he's smoking on there. I think it was like a hookah or something like that. But Kwame Brown is just going off on live streaming, and he made an incredibly long video uh, just talking about... Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, and I would play it for you on the air, but there are too many swear words. It takes him a long time uh, to get to the point. It would be a lot of work, and uh, it would it would take a long time to understand what that would do through radio. It's not very uh, it doesn't translate to radio very well, but it's pretty insane what's going on right now uh, with some of those guys who are former warriors. <laughs> I mean, hey, I love all the smoke podcasts, though. It is a great po- podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. Um. All right, so ESPN's Bill Barnwell, he's very reputable, and he writes these incredibly long articles. He likes to predict when different things will happen during the she- during the season. And at 888-957-9570, I threw out the question before we went to break, asking if you think Trey Lance should start in 2021, when do you think he would start? By what week? Because Bill Barnwell does have a prediction, and from the 650 – Red shirt Trey Lance, do not play him at all, but name him the starter for the next season, regardless of this season's outcome. Well, I mean, if this outcome is the 49ers do, you know, make it to the Super Bowl again, I don't know if it'll just be as easy to say that. But this is a time when videos come out, you know, players starting to arrive at camp, and, you know, you got George Kittle waving to the camera. He's got his Buffalo Sabres beanie on, he looks happy to be there. Acts like he's clueless because George Kittle, he's a fun dude, funny guy. But you got these other players walking in. You had Javad Kidlaw, who's walking in with the Crocs. He's rocking the Crocs going to football. (laughs) The dude's super tough. I mean, it goes on Instagram and, you know, on his story. And you see that where he had a squirrel in his mouth that one time and he's just like walking in the wilderness with a squirrel in his mouth. Oh, man, I love it. And then you had Jimmy Garoppolo there. And, of course, people are already overanalyzing Jimmy Garoppolo, how he looks walking into camp. But the reality is he's all smiles. He's looking great. And it looks like he's ready to work. And he's a professional. That's just who Jimmy Garoppolo is. But as soon as the videos come out of Trey Lance and the things that he could do, You saw the reaction. Let's just even go back before they drafted him. You saw the reaction to pro days. You saw saw the reaction to Justin Fields. You saw the reaction to Mac Jones. 49er fans instantly, if they were kind of on the fence about it at that point, they're thinking, all right, I want the Niners to take Fields. I do not want them to take Mac Jones. That was just based on a pro day. But can you imagine what it's like now that Trey Lance is going to be in a 49ers uniform when he's donning that helmet the first time that he makes the throw on the run and it's accurate and it's a perfect throw, something you haven't really seen from Jimmy uh, much of, at least in the past couple of years. 
another element to the game, I think fans could be calling for him. And Bill Barnwell, I mean, that's just what happens. This is what fans do. It's also part of the fun. But Bill Barnwell of ESPN, he made his predictions for when all the first-round rookie quarterbacks would start. Trevor Lawrence, going to start week one at Jacksonville. That's expected. Zach Wilson, the number two pick who went to the Jets, uh, whose mom is starting to go crazy on social media, by the way. Um, But uh, Zach Wilson, starting week one for the Jets. That's expected. I'm going to skip past Trey Lance just to leave you in suspense. Justin Fields, week four versus Detroit. Uh, and, and, And if I just have to give my quick take on that, if you go... Even three weeks with Andy Dalton, I think that would be a mistake. You just got to start Justin Fields right away and start getting him to play with these Chicago guys uh, before the fans turn on you. And then Mac Jones, Bill Barnwell has him starting in week five for the New England Patriots. And for Trey Lance, for the San Francisco 49ers, Bill Barnwell predicts... Trey Lance will start... Prime time in week three versus the Green Bay Packers. So when I saw that, I look, when I first saw the headline to the article, my first thought was, all right, there's there's no chance that he has Trey Lance starting this year, right? He's gonna he's gonna have he's gonna be a surprise. It's gonna be a surprise. He's gonna have all these other quarterbacks starting because of the situations that they're in. He's gonna have Lawrence starting week one, obviously. Obviously gonna have Wilson starting week two or week one, excuse me. And then Mac Jones at some point might start for the Patriots. But I felt like when I saw that headline, I'm I'm thinking. You know, he's going to throw us a curveball with Trey Lance. He's going to say, oh, he won't start this season. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the entire year. But he predicts that Trey Lance's first start will be against Green Bay. However, he does use these past seasons as an example, and and it, it kind of informs his prediction. And when you go through it and go through uh, his entire reasoning for it, uh, because he wrote a few paragraphs on it, he predicts that he would be in, he would make it to week three because Garoppolo hasn't been able to make it out of the month of September without getting injured ever since becoming a week one starter. And since the 49ers play Philadelphia in week two, who have a very tough defensive line, He is not sure how much longer Garoppolo is going to be in the game. And I felt like that was kind of an unfair prediction, in in my opinion, when I saw that. Because Week 3, Green Bay, I think that's a little too early. And from the 628, remember, this is your show. What are your predictions? I'll get there, 628. I'll get there. But here's the thing with me, okay? I'm not going into this season assuming that Garoppolo is going to be hurt at any point. That's just, I don't think that's fair on any player. Just to say, oh, yeah, they're prone to get injured, so they're probably not going to play anyway. I, I, You know, that label is, it's a tough one to have. I, I mean, think of, you know, for example, think of Jason Verrett and the unfair shot uh, that he got in his time just because he was known as being quote unquote injury prone, even though at one point he was a Pro Bowl a Pro Bowl cornerback, and then see what happened with the Forty ers later on in his career. It was a great comeback story. So I, I don't like putting that on players. But for me, what I found interesting 
when we were talking about the schedule release last week, right? When we were looking through, damn it, I almost said week 17. When we were looking all the way through week 18 and we're making our predictions, a lot of people, and, and this is including myself, I looked at that schedule and, you know, I'm looking back and forth at some of the, uh, I'm looking at some of the travel schedules for these other teams, how they're going to go uh, against the Niners. Are, are the Niners at a disadvantage at most of these games? As far as the travel schedule goes, when I looked through it, it felt like the Niners were at an advantage. So you had that. And you can make what you want of the travel schedule in the first place. I mean, for example, the, the Vikings. When they play the Vikings, I forgot which week it was. But when they do play the Vikings later on, I believe they spend the entire month of November going back and forth from the East Coast to the West Coast because they play the Chargers at one point uh, earlier in the month. So I look at that and I think, yeah, that's an advantage. And the Niners had that with quite a few teams. So I predicted them to maybe go... 12 and 5 was how I predicted it. 11 and 6 is 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 tough to really uh say because you can't point, pinpoint six exact losses on the season when you just compare rosters. So I felt maybe 12 and 5, uh 13 and 4, possibly that range. But also thinking about it, if the Niners are at that point, I don't think they're going to bring in Trey Lance at all if they are in contention for the playoffs and they're at that point. You know, like the only way that the Niners are going um, twelve and five is look, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo loses the first five weeks and somehow Trey Lance comes in to save the day and then wins twelve straight games, which would just be uh, insane. But the only way I see Lance even coming in this year is, well, you, you, I mean, you gotta do, you gotta, you do have to mention that if Garoppolo does get hurt, then Trey Lance would obviously be coming in. But other than that, the only way that Lance would be coming in is if they're losing games. What does Kyle Shanahan say every time you're talking about the quarterback battle? It's we're gonna put in whoever gives us the best chance to win, and if that team is winning. At that point in the season, and they're just they're, there's no sign of stopping. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is I'm not going to say he's back to 2019 form, but he's a competent enough quarterback, and he's getting them uh, and he's winning them games. Then, I mean, I don't see Trey Lance getting in this year at all if they have that record. If they have somewhere around, you know. Uh, I'm trying to navigate through this. I, I, I'm so not used to having an 18-week season. If they have maybe a 10-7 record or 9-8 and eight at the end of the year, and I look back, let's just say I didn't even watch any of the season. right? Let's just say I didn't watch any of it. Fast forward to January or whatever it would be, and I look back on the year and the 49ers are 9-8, and eight, that's where I'd think... Oh yeah, Trey Lance ended up coming in to be the starting quarterback because Garoppolo had obviously lost too many games and they managed to escape with a 9 and 8 record. You don't just bring in a backup quarterback just to bring him in. If your starter's winning you games, then that's what you're going to go with. And that not me not that may not be the case with everybody, but um I, I that's the most likely scenario to me that I see play out. So when I saw this from Bill Barnwell yesterday, when I saw, man, He's predicting week three against the Packers. 
but then he solely based it on just the fact that Garoppolo hasn't made it uh, past uh, the month of September in three out of the four seasons that he started week one. I understand that reasoning, but um, for me right now, I just feel like uh, that is slightly unfair. So I saw that yesterday and I just felt like, wow, week three. <laughs> I mean, a pride time against the Packers. No pressure. No pressure at all. From the 415, once Jimmy G struggles or injury, you play, Trey. Look at the success of Burroughs and Herbert last season. Uh, from the 628, don't give Niner fans their hopes and prayers now. I'm telling you, this is, this is one of those situations as soon as you see the video. I'm telling you, as soon as you see... Trey, it's like that same reaction. I'm sorry, I want to finish my point, but it's like this just popped up into my head. It's like that same reaction you had when you saw James Wiseman. You know, do you remember that when uh, Wiseman was out because of COVID 19 protocol and he couldn't train with the team? Then you had those those first scrimmages and you saw that slow mo video posted by Anthony Slater where James Wiseman, like a graceful. I don't know. I can't think of an animal that jumps high right now. But like a graceful, like a graceful deer, antelope, whatever, goes up for a dunk in slow-mo from a Draymond Green lob. Oh, put James Wiseman in right now. I don't care. Start him against Brooklyn. Start him against Brooklyn. Who cares? And then that ended up happening, and you know we 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 know what happened from the rest of the uh, from the rest of the year. There, it's going to be the same thing with Trey Lance. As soon as that one beautiful video pops up on social media, that's when eyes are going to start to pop. And then people are going to start to look more and more for the good things that Lance is doing. And then look at the flaws for Jimmy Garoppolo. This is going to be a wild ride when everything starts to happen. And then when preseason starts... That I genuinely think before the season even happens and during preseason, 49ers, ha- 49ers fans' heads are going to explode because if Trey Lance comes out in like the week three matchup, the last one of the uh, of the preseason, and somehow like get you three touchdowns, oh my goodness! Thank you, seven oh seven, like a graceful gazelle. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to share that with you. When I saw that yesterday, I was just thinking, man, week three. That'd be wild. Uh, So Nick Wright, of course, of FS1, polarizing guy. But in reality, he knows what he's doing. He's a good person overall. I'm not going to judge who he is as a human being, which people tend to do when it comes to these guys who are given their sports takes. Um, But he spoke about the Warriors yesterday with Damon Ratto and Kolsky. And I want to preface this sound by putting this one on the front end here of him talking about Steph Curry. So, no, there's no disrespect to Steph Curry, but this year was important. It was important for guys like me that want to be able to see every angle of the art to say, okay, we know unequivocally that, for example, if you put Russ on the 2015 or 2016 Warriors, that team is instantly demonstrably worse. That Russ couldn't have done what Steph did for those teams. But we didn't know if you put Steph on the 2017 Thunder post-KD, could Steph have done what Russ did? Win a scoring title, carry a team to the sixth seed on his back. But now we know. The answer is yes. It's unbelievable. But if you... So it closes out there. 
But then he said this, which is what uh, got the stir for Warrior fans yesterday. Here's what Nick Wright had to say regarding the Warriors and their play-in matchup uh, against the Lakers. You guys are going to get mad, but I just want you to think about it over the next 48 hours. You guys have been in a grueling stretch, you guys being the Warriors. The game against Memphis was not easy. I think you guys should rest everyone Wednesday. Just just rest. Just rest. You have no reason to put Steph and Draymond, A, through the humiliation of what's awaiting them, and B, the risk of injury, and C, the extra wear and tear. You don't care if you're the 7 or the 8. You're not going to win either way. Sit your guys. You have a nice five days to get ready for Memphis or San Antonio. Kick your feet up, enjoy, and then get ready for Utah. That's what you should do. Deep down, you don't think it's a terrible idea. I know it. And Warrior fans hate that I'm saying it, and they think it's because I'm scared of Steph. It's not. It's just good advice. It's because I care about my friends in the Bay Area. You should take the advice. (laughs) Oh, man. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And when I heard that, I'm just thinking, all right, where is he coming from with this? And here's where I'm at. I don't agree with him because I think the reason that the the Warriors have just been so good as of late is because they've had momentum. And you want to carry that momentum going into L.A. And if you rest all your players, you're just killing anything that you had uh, that was going on in these past, uh, what, I mean, this past month of May in the past 10 games when they went 9-1, and one, winning six straight to close out the season. You want that momentum going into Wednesday night against the Lakers. But if you are the type of fan, if you're the Warrior fan who wants to see the Jazz in the Western Conference in the first round as opposed to the Phoenix Suns, because if the Warriors do win, they get that seventh seed, then go on to face the Suns in the first round. And if they lose, then go on to beat Memphis or whoever comes out of that game against the Spurs, but I think it's going to be Memphis, then you're going to get that eighth seed and you go to play the Utah Jazz. So if you're the the fan that wants the Jazz in the first round and you think about what Nick Wright's saying, there's no guarantee that you win that second game. That's why you don't rest those players. But I think there's got to be a part of you that's thinking, hey, if we get that eighth spot, I'm not, I'm, 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 and we're playing the Jazz. I'm good with that. But when, when I heard Nick Wright say that, it was great because I didn't know the most outlandish thing that anyone could say. You know, I think the hot take right now is possibly saying that the Warriors can beat the Lakers. I think that's the hot take that's going around. I didn't expect the hot take to be, well, the Warriors need to rest all their players on Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, man. He absolutely knows what he's doing. He does. We'll get into more of the actual matchup tomorrow with the Lakers and the Warriors because that is tomorrow night. So I, I it's the biggest game of the season or one of the biggest games of the season. I can't wait for it. But coming up next, you got Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe, the Butcher Boy Shasky with the morning roast. They're going to be joined by George Sedano from L.A. at 8.30, and then Hunter Pence at 9.30. So stick around. It's going to be a fun show with the Morning Roast. Tune in now.